I just want to do a shout out to Dan. You know, Dan's been working so hard recently. Let's just acknowledge all he does. Um, you know, he mentioned about that one event. Well, there have been so it's like it seems like every night something's been going on. He was here Friday night for a sort of a community-wide um, movie night, and um, he just does a tremendous amount. And then to come and lead worship, wonderful. Thanks, Dan. You're a blessing to us. All right. Well, if you have a Bible, um, I'm back in Luke chapter 1. I want to look at this, uh, this passage about Mary and Elizabeth <coughs> that we had read to us earlier. And um, I'm thinking of it in terms of the God who fulfills his promises. Uh, the promise of God's word being fulfilled, because that was the heart of this message to, uh <coughs> to Mary. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Has the Lord spoken to you something that's yet to be fulfilled? Are you living with a sense of maybe unfulfilled longings, expectations? Is there a dream the Lord has put in your heart that has yet to come fruition? Have you found yourself struggling to believe, well, was it God? Is God really good? Does God really see me? Does he really know me? I believe there's a word for you today of encouragement to, to press into that more fully because I believe with all my heart that there is some fulfillment coming, not just in the story, but you see we're a part of the story. We're invited into it through our own imagination. I think it's a, a time for hope to be rekindled and renewed within us. And sometimes that feels like a, a flickering flame uh, we've got a little stove in our beautiful accommodation, uh, but the pilot light doesn't work and it goes out. The flickering flame that triggers the switching on. So I have to get down on my, I have to basically lay down and stretch into the bottom of this oven with a, with a lighter uh, to get the little flame going, to get the big flame going. Well, I believe the little flame is still there because, you know, God is faithful to his promises. Both Elizabeth and Mary stood within this tradition of the people of Israel who, who were rooted in the promise of blessing from Abraham that called to, to be blessed by the Lord to be a blessing to the nations of the world. That was probably 2,000 plus years before the events we read about. Micah, the prophet, speaks those words, but to you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, shall come from you. That was over 700 years before that prophecy was fulfilled in the events we read about. Never give up. Never give up. It's been interesting to me, actually, as I've looked around uh, at the scriptures on the walls in this worship space. And, and I, I would probably say, without exception, every one of these scriptures has had a significant part in my story. Uncannily so. Um not just because I've read them and I'm familiar with them and I know them, but how the Lord has revealed himself and done things uniquely through each and every one of these scriptures. And over time, we'll probably tell you some of that story. But to me, that's a token of the Lord's faithfulness. And actually, I believe his call of me to be here. And that causes me to believe that there's fulfillment coming. And he's inviting you to put, his, put your hope in him for something that maybe has waned. I believe there's a stirring the Lord wants to bring. So, what is our context for this song of worship and this response of Mary? Well, the, 
in the, in, earlier in the passage we've read that the angel Gabriel has appeared to her. She's betrothed to Joseph, means she's not married, but she's promised to Joseph. And the angel says, you will conceive, have a son, and his kingdom will never end. Just another old day in the life of a little Jewish girl. She's probably about 14, 15 years old. Can you imagine experiencing that? She had a little problem with it. One of which was, I've never actually had sex with a man. How can this be? It's very practical, is the Scriptures. We know how things work. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of God will do this. And as a sign to that promise, your relative, your elder relative Elizabeth, who was barren, is already six months pregnant. You see, God gives tokens around us of what he wants to do in us to increase our faith. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Where is your hope? Is it in him? And is your response like Mary? It's a beautiful response before the passage we had. Um, Book 2 verse, for nothing is impossible with God. There was that realization that even this was not insurmountable to God. And then, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You see, that's the key to the fulfillment, is our surrender, our yielding. We would like the fulfillment, and then we'll yield. We would like a bit more proof of this, God, but it never works like that. There's always the yielding and the waiting because of what God wants to do in us. (coughs) I remember... um, some of you will have heard my story um, in terms of my early coming to faith. I sort of grew up in a home where it was assumed we were Christian because we're British and English. I was baptized as a baby, but we didn't, we didn't talk about faith. We didn't talk about the Lord. We didn't pray. Um, and I, when I made a commitment to Christ at the age of 25 and told my mum that I'd become a Christian, she said, what do you mean you can become a Christian? You've always been a Christian. And that was a prevailing mentality. And I would say, I was probably something of a believer. I was familiar with the story. Um, I actually sang in a church choir for a while. I got confirmed as a young teenager. Early in our dating relationship, because Carol was a Christian, I, I kind of tried to read the Bible, but I found it so dead and dusty and struggle. Um, couldn't get to grips with that. But I've heard parts of it. I was a believer. I would have probably said, yes, I believe there's a God but I didn't know him. There's a time when I knew Carol existed because I could see her across the classroom, but I didn't know her. I wasn't one with her. I wasn't sharing my life with her and her with me. And there was a time in my life where as I yielded to what I knew to be true and asked for the fulfillment, it came. The Holy Spirit comes. And that's a pattern, I believe, for our continuing growth in the Lord, as it was going to be for Mary. Now, I love, Mar- I love Elizabeth's response about all this, and it shows to me how important it is for us to have people in our lives to encourage us and to strengthen us, be that our family, be it friends, uh, in whom also the Spirit of God is work. Are there people around you? Are there people you share your life with, that you get real with and honest with, who also know the Lord and are wanting the fulfillment of his promise for themselves as well as for you. That is so important. Because I love how this, it's the Spirit of God in Elizabeth that stirs up, actually, John yet to be born, John the Baptist, 
That's who was going to be born of Elizabeth, who came to prepare the way. And he's preparing the way even when he's in the womb. Oh my goodness. You know the Lord sees us and knows us whilst we're being formed in the secret and hidden places. And even today, you may feel secret and hidden from him. But he sees you. And he knows you. And his call to you is still as strong today as it has ever been. But do you have people in your life that stir up your faith, that encourage you, that bless you, that speak words of encouragement? Because the world will do the opposite very often. It will suck life out of us, left to our own devices. This is why in the Scriptures, uh, Paul later, in uh, the book of Ephesians, he encourages to, he says, let no unwholesome words or talk come out of your mouth. Think about what we speak. There's power in speech. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The last time the Holy Spirit of God was grieved that we read about was in the book of Isaiah as he reflected on the wilderness wanderings and the grumbling and complaining of the people of God. That grieves the Holy Spirit. And I believe it grieves the heart of God when uh, we're in company who, where people put each other down, where people judge and condemn and criticize and gossip and, and all of that. And that's why Paul says, don't do that. You have the power to release life to one another. Make sure you use it. But we all need people in our lives like that to nurture the life of Christ, to fan into flames truth, to extinguish the darkness. Remember, I read that verse um, about... Um, about light coming into the world because of darkness, the need for light. Well, that's an ongoing need for all of us. And even in the three plus weeks that I've been here, I've had some opportunity to sit down with some people. And, and from time to time, you sense how people struggle with truth and light. And it's so easy for us to allow the lies of the enemy and the negativity to dominate our thinking and our hope, and our future, and our conversations. And it's sad, because we're all, we all succumb to that at different times and places, which is why we need the light of one another. Remember, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. Receive that. Not because of you, because of him who is the light who is in you. So let's let the light out. Let's fan into flames the truth and extinguish the lies of the evil one. Now, there are some conditions. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say about that, a thought that occurred to me earlier. You know, the dynamic of this relationship between Mary and Elizabeth uh, is so important. You see, they were almost a generation apart in age. It's funny, I was at Lynn's house yesterday and uh, uh, Rick and his brother... Mike, another Mike came. And they're almost a generation apart. I think their brothers were over 20 years apart. That was probably something similar to Elizabeth and Mary. And there's something in that in terms of the nature of the body and what God is doing. David was probably a generation older than Jonathan. Paul was definitely a generation older than Timothy. He talked about him as his son. Elizabeth was effectively a generation older than Mary. And this is the dynamic of having mentors and disciples and spiritual kind of fathers and mothers in our lives. I believe there's a call upon us to minister to the next generation. And you're the ones who are going to do that. 
because of the light that's in you. I believe that with all my heart. But it's going to take some humility. And there are some conditions to the fulfillment of the promise. We are not passive in this, unfortunately, because men love passivity. Oh, it's the woman you sent me, God. She's to blame. Remember, he was the one who was given the instructions about not eating the apple from the tree of the knowledge. And though Eve gave it, he never said boo to a goose. He just took it because he was passive. And there's a tendency in men to be passive, to sit back and to wait. And uh, the Spirit of God wants to initiate something in you men. In fact, next year I want to really invite and encourage and challenge us as as, well, all of us really, but I've uh, hard to see men step into their inheritance and calling and promises that have been spoken over them. Grace is what we live on and through which we live, but it's conditional. Oh, thought it was free. Of course, it's freely given by the Father, but who's it given to? It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. You see, you need faith to appropriate grace. There's a part that we all play in the fulfillment of the promises. God opens himself and makes himself available to us fully. But the question is, do we receive and do we walk in his light? So what do we have to do to prepare? This is what I'm getting from what I see in Mary. And and Mary's a beautiful character. You know, we evangelicals, we've thrown out too much with that bathwater of worrying about what the Roman Catholics did to Mary. Because there is something beautiful in the example that she gives to us in bearing the life of Christ and in the attitude that she brought to that and in the compassion that she expressed. And we all, in a similar vein, are invited to express the compassion of God through the indwelling Christ. And so we can learn much from Mary. Firstly, the priority of a a will that chooses to praise and worship and celebrate. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Every part of her, my soul, my mind, my will, my emotion, every part of who I am, it's my conscious choice to give it to you, Lord, and to celebrate your goodness. There was plenty of reason why Mary should have been stuck in the dumps, having a pity party, worrying about where the heck her life was going. A teenage gal, a Jewish teenage gal, betrothed but pregnant, was not a safe place. And Joseph had in mind to put her away. That's a scary place for a 14, 15 year old. Any of us, let's face it. Tremendous shame within the community. And we've lost sight of that to some extent, I think, because sadly we've lost sight of the sacredness of sex and the marital union and the bond that is established because of God's desire for two to become one. He is all about making two one. And I'm not just talking about husband and wife, but that's a picture. Ultimately, it's about Christ and his church. It's about Jew and Gentile. It's about all of creation to become one. But there is something unique and sacred about sex in the context of covenant relationship. And we've lost some of that. And because it, is, it was so sacred, it was incredibly scary what was happening to Mary. She had, on a human level, an uncertain future. Was she to be put away? Was that the end of her life? Was the hope of marriage and family and community gone? What would Joseph do? 
WWJD. And in that place, she offered her whole life, every part of her, to magnify the Lord. The purpose of my life is to make God bigger, revealing Him, celebrating Him, speaking of Him. This is a heart on fire, captivated by the love of God. It, it reminds me of David, you know, who as king danced before the ark of the Lord as it was brought into Jerusalem, so much so that Michal, his wife, tore him down a strip. Who do you think you are? You're the king and there you are prancing around in your loincloth. And he says, I'll become even more undignified than this because of him. I love that. As some of that captivated your heart. It's the will that chooses to follow, to surrender, to give. And ultimately this is our worship. As Paul says, offer your whole bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we've got to surrender the will and yield and enjoy Him. But also there was a, a mindset, I believe, in Mary. And this is, this, is, this is where kind of repentance comes in. Repentance means change your mind. Don't think like you used to do. Don't think it's all about you. Anyone here think it's all about them? Yeah, yeah, some hands are like, no, come on, you do, you liars. You do. I do, at times. I certainly did. Who would like it to be all about you? Oh, <laughs> let's be honest. There's a reality that there's something within us that wants it to be about us. And when push comes to shove and we are stressed, boy, will we ever make it about us. We're going to explore some of that in Lent. That's exciting. You can look forward to that, can't you? The Lord loves it when we stay humble because then He can lift us. When we lower, He lifts. When we raise ourselves, He moves away. He resists us, James tells us. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God doesn't add to our shame. We struggle with that in of ourselves, the sense of who we are and who we think we are, but He lifts the lowly. And to be humble is to own the reality of our shortcomings, of our areas that we need to grow in, because we all have them. To confess our guilt, to share our fears, to expose the lies that often control our lives, because they seem so true to us. And to ask others, these mentors, into our lives to help us grow, to become more like the one whom we genuinely worship. We all of us need people in our lives who are helping us in that because we can't do it on our own. We're not meant to. We all have blind spots. I used to encourage managers in the workplace to spend time with their teams asking them for feedback on what it's like to be managed by them. Where do they as a leader need to grow? What do you as a team need more of from them? Now, it takes great humility for a manager to do that. But boy, is ever a team drawn to pe a leader who expresses that kind of humility? Well, the same is true for all of us, I would suggest. We're also to acknowledge our hunger, because the hungry shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Is there a deep, profound desire that the Holy Spirit has put in you for more of God and His renown and His glory rather than yourself? One of my journeys has been coming out of self-reliance because that's rooted in pride that's about me that's 
I can do this. I've got it. Okay, no, I don't need you. Let me show you. Because, boy, aren't you going to believe something good about me when you see how good I am on my own without need of help? It is so messed up. Who's with me, though, in the self-reliant states? Come on, let's be honest. And Paul says, you cannot say you don't need one another. You've been born into a body. I mean, this is what grieves me often when people walk away from church. And I understand fully, I've done it. I've actually been thrown out of it. And we think we're better off without it. But we're not. Because we're isolated and exposed. And it's the enemy's tactic. It's the narrative of the enemy that I'm I'm hearing faint whispers of that I want us to to replace with the truth. And it, it will take great humility. It will take compassion and forgiveness for one another. But this is the way. This is the way of humility. This is the way of brokenness. This is what the Lord draws near and blesses. And these characteristics that we see in Mary are to mark our relationships with one another. The relationships you have for those of you who are married with your spouse, the boss you work with, the colleagues you work amongst, the neighbours you live with. This is where I go from preaching to meddling. It was okay, Mike, up until then, but are you kidding me? No. This is the path. This is the way of Christ. This is the way of the cross. This is the way it's not about you. But through you, God is going to do something glorious. This statement of this humble 15-year-old girl is revolutionary. It talks about God bringing down rulers and powers. You know, our world is full of rulers and powers and people who abuse and use authority in all sorts of settings. And here you've got a 15-year-old girl. This is the longest stretch of Scripture with a woman's voice, continuous. And it's earth-shattering. Because this is what God does. He does the extraordinary among those who yield and open themselves up. And that's why I have hope and believe for something extraordinary in this community and in your lives and your families and your neighborhoods. This is the heart of God. And God will always persevere. He has not given up. That's why I say the dreams are to be rekindled. The words once spoken and now become fallow are to be plowed up until the Lord comes and sows righteousness. Break up your fallow ground. The prophet says, that just came to me. That was a bonus. Thank you, Lord. Because, again, these are just glimpses. No, I better not go down there. Too much time and not enough. Thirdly, we see in Mary, so we've got the will, you know, the desire, the surrender of who she is, of all of herself. There's the mind that chooses the pathway of humility and vulnerability. And then there's the heart. A heart that courageously opens itself up. You know, God's mercy, she says, is for those who fear Him. How can those two things go together? How can mercy and fear? Well, we have a a wrong understanding. Fear is not this abject terror and horror that, you know, God is all about punishment and judgment and there's sometimes mistaken understanding. Well, that's, that's the God of the Old Testament. You know, the word mercy... Is the same word used for God's covenant loving kindness throughout the Old Testament. 150 times the Old Testament speaks about the loving kindness of the Lord. It's His covenant commitment to His people. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. 
but it's realized fully in the person of Jesus, which is why we get excited about him and we sing about him. But it's this continuity from old to new because he is unchanging. And the, the fear is a reverence. It's an awe for the very greatness of God that I'm so small and little and powerless. I had a taste of that Thursday morning. Stepped out of my little chalet space, looked over the parapet of the roof and smacked as trees and stuff literally being flung into my face and um, and was still without power and water but great fellowship and community but I was struck by the, the strength of the storm as I'm sure many of you are the, you know the, the, the strength of God's creation which speaks of him because he's a part of it he's in it and he's redeeming it So we have this awe and reverence and yet we also have the Father who draws near and loves His children. The loving kindness, the chesed of God. His covenant that Mary just cannot get over. She stands within the promise. He has helped His servant Israel remembering to be merciful, remembering His covenant love to Abraham and His descendants forever just as He promised His ancestors. And you are being as Paul would say, grafted into that story as Gentiles once outside of the promises of the covenant faithfulness of God now you've been grafted in because that was always God's intent Israel were a people for the nations but they made it about themselves sadly and the church is for the nations going to every ethnic every people group and make disciples people who come to know and experience the covenant loving kindness and faithfulness of God. This has always been God's nature. It's what moves us, it's what moved me from a head knowledge and perhaps understanding about God to being captivated in the heart as the love of the Father is poured out through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. It's himself. It's not just a force, a power. It's the person of the Trinity. It's God himself. It's the very same Christ, the Eternal One, who inhabited Jesus of Nazareth and who came upon Mary and continues to come upon those who will open their hearts and minds and wills to this love. Can you say like Mary, here I am, your servant. Let your will be done. He's our creator. He's a fearsome God. He's a powerful God but he's also a compassionate father who can do what he promises. There's a picture somewhere of the prodigal, isn't there? I guess this is the prodigal. Oh my goodness, what a powerful story of restoration of the wayward one who didn't think he had the right to be back in his father's household. He said, well, at least as a servant I'll get board and lodging. But no, the father ran to meet him. He put the robe and the ring on him. He restored him. But let's not be like the older brother. Who does he think he is, this brother of mine? The father says he was lost and he's found. We, we must celebrate. We must celebrate. Because I love him. And my heart has been broken over his departure. And his desire to want me dead and to make it about himself, but he's back. It's a time to come back. It's a time to take hold of the promise. It's a time to dream the dreams and to see the visions. 
It's a time to take up those promises, the ones spoken that have been laid down. The Lord is doing something among us because it's in his heart to do this. Will he find us a people with wills yielded, with minds submitted and hearts open? Let's stand, shall we? And let's, as the Lord is present, and there'll be opportunity, I think there'll be people available to pray with you, but I just want us in before the Lord, that, that maybe as I've been speaking, that the Lord is stirring something in you, that he's reminding you of something. Or maybe he's giving you something new for tomorrow. Or maybe you're just aware of your own brokenness and your pain and your struggle. Bring that to the Lord doesn't expect us to be something we're not. And the good news is we don't have to be. But we do have to come. And now is the time to come and say, Yes, Lord, may my soul magnify you and rejoice in you. Lord, would you break the lie of the evil one, break the yoke of the enemy over these your people, Lord, lead us into greater freedom. Bring us to that promised land. Take us out of the wanderings and bring us more and more into the fullness of that one day we will experience in your presence. But even now, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Of the increase of your kingdom, there shall be no end. And so, Lord, extend it to the hearts and minds and wills of your people here and of this community of Port Alberni, O God. And in this day, Lord, would you renew your promises. Lord, we've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds. But Lord, renew them in our day. And in this day, Lord, remember mercy. Again, that loving kindness. Remember your loving kindness, O oh God. This Christmas in households around this community, let there be a, a celebration of the one who came, Jesus, the greatest gift. But more than that, the life that he brings, the covenant that he expresses, and the newness that he establishes. Lord, let this be a new day. Come, Lord, shine your light. We open our hearts to you. We open every part of us to you and say, yes, Lord. For all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Inhabit your people and our homes and our community, we pray. Use me, Lord. Let our words be like those of Mary. Let us be the servants of the Lord. Let it be done to us according to the will of the Father. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Now, in the quiet, let's receive him.